Hello and welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Thank you for carving a little bit of time out of your day to join us here on this podcast. I have a fantastic conversation. I got the chance to sit down and talk with Marissa Smith from the Whole Brain Group. And Marissa tapped into their process-driven agency. And her story is like so many other entrepreneurs out there where you start out and you have this vision of a of living a free life and living by your own rules and being your own boss only to get into the thick of it and discover that there's more to running a business than you think and how easy it is to become overwhelmed. And it's a, it's an awesome story of her journey from being an overwhelmed, all sorts of hats on CEO to being a delegator and in putting a system in place. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Hey, Marissa, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Would you be willing to kind of kick us off? Give us your background on how you got to where you are today and what your agency looks like. Sure, I'd be happy to. So let's see, we are 13 years old now, which means we started back in 2002. Um, And actually, I got started as just a single proprietor, didn't exactly have a dream of building a whole agency. Um, I had been working at the University of Michigan doing technical support and database programming and web programming um, and decided I wanted to start a family and thought that being an entrepreneur would give me more flexibility, which I was totally wrong about. Um, but I started out uh, by myself and, you know, did contract work for the first couple of years, but kind of found myself um, working around the clock. And so I hired a couple of people um, and we just kind of did project-based work doing database design and web design for a number of years. And in uh, 2008, when the economy went south, uh, we found ourselves faced with the figure something else out or close up um, decision that a lot of people had to make. And so we took a look at our skill set and decided to go in the direction of uh, doing web development and WordPress um, projects. And so we kind of did a 180 and pivoted and retrained ourselves, rebranded ourselves, um, and began doing WordPress website development, which, you know, kind of evolved into doing social media, which evolved into doing inbound. And um, so we discovered HubSpot in 2012. And um, at that time, we were really on that project roller coaster, you know, that that HubSpot talks a lot about. Yeah. And the idea of doing, you know, retainer work and evening that income out was really appealing. And so we decided to give it a try and embraced the model and, um, you know, have been kind of transitioning You know, you can't just flip the switch. Right. Um, and start doing that. But, you know, we really went all in and this year we're pretty much, we're almost 80, 75, 80% inbound retainers now, which is, um, you know, completely different from where we started. So we're 13 people now we're, um, doing really well and having a great time. That so, is so cool. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a, Thanks. that's a good hunk of retainer business there. Yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> That's great. What is uh how has your team reacted to this shift and how has that impacted the new talent you bring on? 
Well, it definitely was a big change. You know, I'm lucky in that um, I still have most of the people that I started with when we kind of became a company. So there are four of us who have been around for a long time. Um, and I was lucky in that all, all of those people were just committed to building a great company and didn't, you know, didn't really care what we were doing as long as we were doing it together. And um, so, you know, we just were really had to be flexible and had to figure it out together. So in that respect, I was very lucky to have that kind of team in place. Um, and then, you know, since then, we really, in order to attract the best talent, though, we had to get super clear on, you know, what is our vision? What are our values? What kind of company are we trying to build? Um, where are we going? So that when we were bringing those people on, we could be really clear about it and make sure that we were attracting the right folks who, you know, could evolve with us and scale with us um, versus just kind of people who we needed in the moment, but maybe wouldn't last forever. So that was really one of the shifts that we had to make. You know, we had a little turnover in the beginning where you you can't quite afford the people that you know you really want to have long term. So you have to kind of know that you're going to have people for a couple of years and they're not going to, you know, stay with you forever. But now we're really at a nice point where we're able to paint a picture for, you know, the employees that we're hiring and they're in it for the long haul, which is great. That is so cool. And it, yeah. it doesn't sound like that's something that happens overnight. It just appears. Can you walk us through a little bit of that journey? What did it look like going from, you know, just a few people up to this level and kind of painting that culture picture of what you wanted the team, the direction to look like? Sure. Um, well, you know, at the beginning, you know, world headquarters was Panera, right? So we were just basically <laughs> like, you know, holding our, our company meetings, you know, at the same table every week. Um, you know, and so in the beginning, you're just kind of yelling across the hall at people and everybody kind of, it's a free for all, you know, you just do what you need to do to survive. Yeah. Um, so the biggest transition we had to really make as we started to get larger was to get much clearer about roles and responsibilities and you know, who was accountable for what. And I realized that I couldn't know everything about everything anymore. And I really had to let go of a lot of things. Um, So once I kind of changed that mindset and realized that I had to empower people and have them buy into what we were building, um, that really made a big difference. And so we actually adopted this thing called the entrepreneurial operating system, which is a methodology of running a business. And a lot of small businesses use this system. So we started using that in 2012. It's based on a book called uh, Traction by Gino Wickman. And um, it outlines this methodology of, you know, getting everybody on the same page with a clear two-page business plan, setting up an accountability chart, having a regular meeting rhythm, um, you know, defining your core values, you know, doing all the the stuff that every company really needs to kind of have their act together in order to grow. Um, And so we went through that process of, of discovery basically and getting on the same page with what we were trying to build. And then um, that took probably two, three years. I mean, you're never completely done with that. Right. Yeah. Um, But it definitely was a huge time investment and, um, but was completely worth it just because that journey of getting everybody to discuss everything, agree on it, and then have total buy-in. So we're all kind of rowing in the same direction has been just huge. Um, so, yeah. That's really cool. Now I get it from an owner's perspective. Like as we're growing businesses, we want to, we want to define a clear path and kind of we're steering the ship in the right direction, but how do you get your team to buy into that idea? And when there's conflict, how do you guys work through it? 
to kind of find find that path forward? How, how was that process? So getting them to buy in was definitely challenging at first. Um, you know, I basically made everybody read the book um, and then went through the, the, the tools that are in the book to, you know, get on the same page about what we were trying to do. I think at the time, the issues we were running into were just that we were kind of stuck the light switch, you know, and everybody kind of goes, oh, I get it now. Um, it was definitely an evolution over time. Um, but then once people saw that could identify an issue, work through it, find a solution, hold somebody accountable to working through the solution and, you know, start knocking some of these issues off the list, they started to really buy into the process. And um, so, you know, slowly you kind of gain traction, hence the book name, right? <laughs> um, as you, you know, at the beginning, you kind of go, oh my God, this is never going to work, you know? Um, but if you stick with it and, you know, keep following that, that planning pulse and that discussion and the decision-making, it really does make a difference. So it's really like changing our culture from discussing the heck out of everything to actually solving things and assigning responsibility and then actually doing what we said we were going to do um, instead of getting distracted. So that is so cool. Yeah. I, mean, I think we've all been in that situation where we're just, you're in a meeting and you just, you're just talking about the same issue over and over again. And it feels like you're just, you're mashing the potatoes just to, okay. to right. a pulp. Yeah. So yeah. to actually have ownership after that and say, okay, go solve the problem. That's got to right. have a big impact on the health of the operation on the whole. Right. And you know, that and staying focused, you know, one of the biggest issues I had as a, you know, more visionary creative type person was kind of feeling like I wanted to solve everything all at once. And what would end up happening is I'd try to solve 15 issues and really only half solve three of them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so just by getting really focused, you, again, using this process of like prioritizing and saying like, what are the things that if we all put our energy into these three things and actually finish them this quarter, how much further would that move us ahead versus trying to half-ass do 15 things and never really completing anything? Yeah. Um, so just, it was discipline. And when you're, when you're a person who left a big giant organization because you hated process and sitting in meetings all the time, you know, it's against what you think you're building, yeah. um, to put the structure in place. But in fact, when you put the right structure in place, it actually freed me up a lot and freed all of us up, um, and gave us more flexibility long-term, but it was kind of, you know, we rallied against it at first because it just felt, <laughs> you know, wait, we're going to put all this bureaucracy in place. And that's exactly, we want anarchy. That's why we left the university, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Can we, can we push into that a little bit? Because sure. as the owner, I'm sure it's hard to, to give up control at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What did that process look like for you to kind of let go of those things and still make sure that they were getting done? That's an excellent question. Um, well, definitely, I'm sure if you asked my team, they would say I didn't do a great job of it uh, <laughs> at first. You know, I think definitely, you know, when I had my second child, it became more of a necessity, you know, that I just couldn't work the kind of hours I had been working and I just had to start letting go of things. Um, so picking the things to let go of and figuring out how to kind of admitting to myself that that there were people who were better at what. I thought I was great at, first of all, okay. and also um, 
I think when I, once I really trusted that everybody was on the same page with the vision and the plan, it was a lot easier to let go because I could trust that they were going to make the same decisions that I would make because they had all the information that I had. Yeah. And when I was holding it close to the vest, because I felt this kind of responsibility, like, well, I'm the owner, it's my job to figure these things out, right? Yeah. Um, and when they kind of said to me, no, we want to help you, please let go of some of this, we are capable of taking this on, you know, it just kind of, I had to leap and trust. And when they caught it, caught the ball, you know, mm-hmm. um, and started running with it, I was like, okay, oh, take this too. Ooh, take this too. <laughs> take this too. And they both, you know, were like, ah, what did we do? Um, but it was kind of like getting that, pushing through that. And the first couple times, you know, when you like leave your kid by themselves for the first time or tell your husband to watch the baby for the first time. And you're like, Oh, don't screw it up. You know, <laughs> um, once they don't screw it up, suddenly it opens the floodgates, you know? And That's so, really cool. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, we did have to then figure out new systems of kind of checks and balances of like, well, exactly what information do I need fed back to me so I can feel comfortable that things are under control without micromanaging? Yeah. You know, um, and we're, you know, we still work through that, but it's definitely, um, you know, as time goes on, I have to know less and less of the detail and, and everybody's accountable for more and more of it themselves, which is great. That's cool. Yep. What is the, can you walk us through like a typical weekly meeting agenda at, at the agency? Absolutely. So we have a number of meetings, um, but I'll talk about the leadership team, which is myself, um, the CEO, um, our COO, and our director of sales and marketing, and our director of client services. So those are kind of the, you know, main areas of the company. And we meet for 90 minutes every week, um, every Tuesday morning. And first, we do a little check-in, you know, what's going on personally and professionally. Um, we look at our scorecard. So we have key numbers that we're looking at to see if there's anything on track or off track, um, that we need to discuss in the, uh, issues solving section of the agenda. Um, we look at our to do's from the previous week, you know, what were we assigned and you know, who got what done. So we just go through the to do's and say done, not done. Um, and if there's something that's not done for a couple weeks in a row, we kind of put it on the issues list in case there's an obstacle we weren't, you know, anticipating. Okay. Um, we go through the rocks, which are our priorities for the quarter that we all have agreed to. So we'll go through and say, you know, relaunch the website, Chris, and he'll say on track, you know, and update our personas, Bunny, and she'll say off track. Okay. So we just kind of do a quick check in there. And then we get into issue solving, and that's where, you know, we have this list of stuff that's kind of piled up during the week, and we go through and we pick the top three issues and discuss and solve them and move on to the next issues. So, um, you know, we have really that solutions-minded attitude, um, and we just solve as many things as we can, and if something doesn't get solved, it stays on the list till the next week. Okay. Um, and then at the end, we rate the meeting, and we go on a scale of 1 to 10, how is this meeting? How could we improve? Um, and so it's the same agenda. It's one, it's called a level 10 meeting agenda. It's part of that entrepreneurial operating system I mentioned before. Okay. And we've been following it for a couple of years now. Um, and the thing we like about it is just that it stops a lot of those little one-off discussions that can happen during the week and turn into a two hour thing. You know, we just go, Hey, this is great. Let's discuss it on Tuesday. Put it on the issues list. Okay. Um, and so then sometimes things already are solved by the time Tuesday rolls around or it's no longer a priority or whatever. And it just kind of, you know, keeps us moving. 
Yeah. Uh, which is great. So that's how we run our leadership team meetings. Oh. And we follow a similar agenda for a lot of our other meetings as well. But, uh, okay. Yeah. So are you facilitating this and working through the agenda? Is there someone taking point on that each week? Yeah, it depends on the, the meeting. So on the leadership team, I usually run that meeting. Um, the sales meeting, our sales director runs that meeting. The production meeting, our production person runs that meeting. So, you know, depending on whose area of responsibility is. Um, okay. So we all have that skill set to facilitate. You know, it's just keeping people on track, you know, moving them along so we're not rehashing, you know, <laughs> the same stuff. And Yeah. And yep. just having that agenda in place has right. to be a huge asset in that sense. Mm-hmm. Can you, I've got one follow-up question off of the leadership meeting. Sure. Um, can you walk us through the scorecard? How, like what yeah. is on a scorecard and how do you guys maintain them? Mm-hmm. So right now the scorecard is, I think about 15 key numbers. That's a, it's a company level scorecard that we look at and we have a couple of, you know, marketing traffic leads, contacts added to the database, you know, what's our pipeline look like? What are the closed opportunities that we've closed this month? You know, so we have marketing numbers, sales numbers, production numbers. We track things like um, first response time on tickets that are put through our help desk system, how many tickets are in the backlog, Um, you know, kind of whatever those key numbers are that help us take temperature and spot an issue, kind of like a leading indicator, right? So that we can say, you know, we should be at 100 leads by now or only at 10. What's going on? What can we do now versus waiting till the end of the month and realizing we were way off our goal, okay. you know? Um, so every single week we update that scorecard. We look at it. And if there's an issue, we drop it down to that issues list I talked about. And then we'll discuss it if there's a problem. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, I'm just seeing you're basing conversation on data and then correct. reacting to that. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And we, you know, we talk about soft stuff too, you know, somebody's feeling overwhelmed, somebody, you know, this client's being a pain, whatever. Those things are also on the issues list, but the data is usually the first thing that we discuss because those scorecard numbers are really the heart of what's going on in the company. Okay. Yeah. And do you, from a kind of shifting to the client side of things, when you're servicing, do you, are there scorecards or are you using Mm -hmm. a similar agenda when you're talking with your clients and keeping them up to speed on what you're doing? That's a great question. Yes, we we are. So, you know, this whole system worked so well for us as a company that we started to get annoyed kind of when we were working with clients, right? Going like, God, if we just had them following a scorecard or geez, if we just had a two-page business plan from them, you know, our lives would be a lot easier. So we actually adapted the way we run our retainer projects to use kind of a light version of this. And so we do have agreement on what the rocks are for the quarter from the client so that we can align all of our activities to that. We have a scorecard of key metrics that show whether or not, you know, we're succeeding at those rocks. We have an issues list that we use in a parking lot so that, you know, as stuff comes up through throughout the month, we're not spending a bunch of time on email, you know, discussing stuff that could wait until the monthly meeting. Um, so we follow a level 10 meeting agenda for our monthly client meetings. We have quarterly planning sessions with them. We have an issues list. We have a scorecard, like all the stuff that I just discussed. We do that with our clients as well. Um, and it takes a little time to kind of train them and get them up and running. So our clients who are newer to us, we don't just inundate them with all of the stuff. We kind of ease it in like we're sneaking vegetables into their meals, you know? (laughs) Um, but for clients who have been with us for two or three years, they're pretty fully running on this kind of system and it just makes it so much easier for everybody to know what to expect. So. Gotcha. 
Any client yep. pushback from that process or what has that experience been like bringing them into this? Yeah. So initially I think for, there was some pushback, but now it's just kind of the way we do it and okay. we're attracting more people who that's what they are expecting and what they're looking for is some process and something that they can trust in. Um, they don't want to invent the wheel, you know? So when we talk about like, this is how we do it, they kind of go, Oh, that's really great. You have a structure. Okay. So, you know, we'll just plug ourselves right into that. Awesome. Um, so, you know, if anything, there's, there is that transition sometimes of, you know, maybe the CEO or the COO who we sold to was on board and then you get the whole team in there and they're like, what is this stuff? You know, (laughs) Um, but you know, it's, again, it's part of our strategic, um, process to educate them on this and you know we give them the book as part of their welcome basket too (laughs) just say like here go read this and that'll at least you know at least be on the same you know language then yeah so So you're you're actively using your process to as a differentiator in the sales process yes yes absolutely oh i love that Mm -hmm. yeah very cool because i'm sure that that's i mean you can that is it's hard to highlight that in the sales process like separate that from results but like the journey is just as important as the destination. So exactly. Right. Very, very cool to hear right. that. Yeah. Um, and it really, it helps us say no to things too. So, you know, you know, clients can sometimes come in and say, Oh, we want to do this now. And you go, okay, wait a second. We already agreed that our priorities were these three things. What are we going to do with this fourth thing you just introduced? Yeah. You know? Um, so just, again, it gives us that ability to push back a little bit in a nice way, you yeah. know, um, instead of kind of feeling like you're being swerved all over the road by, you know, a distracted visionary CEO. Yeah. <laughs> it's can happen sometimes. So. Oh yeah. yeah. They come in with, they just go back from a conference and they're all fired up with cool right. ideas. So yep. that's cool. You guys are the strategic partner and you're guiding the conversation. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yep. Um, while we're on the topic of clients, would you be able to share a recent uh, client success or something that you just kind of want to stand up and brag about? <laughs> um, sure. I mean, one of our clients is, um, has been with us for Three years, they were actually one of the first ones to to say, sure, we'll try this inbound stuff you're talking about. Um, And so when we first started with them, they were about an $8 million company, um, and they had a pretty high lead volume, but their deal size was pretty small, so they had to kind of do a lot of deals in order to hit their their revenue goal. Um, And so we worked with them to identify issues that were kind of obstacles to making bigger sales, you know? Okay. Um, So over the period of, you know, we basically we worked with them to say like, well, where do you want to go with this company? What kind of customers would you prefer to be working with? Where would you be able to see more profit if you were doing those types of deals? And so we kind of worked through that whole list and, over time, you know, again, using this system, we would say, all right, you know, in order to do that, we need to do these three things this quarter to make headway towards that, you know. Um, and so for the last two and a half years, we've been steadily chipping away at the list and making progress on, um, you know, improving the quality of leads coming in, educating them more, um, helping the sales guys um deal with any objections throughout the sales process by having great educational content, you know, all that stuff that you do for inbound. Right. Um, and you know, his deal size is up. I want to say it's like 30 or 40% over where it was when we started. Um, their revenue has doubled and they don't have any more inside sales guys than they did (laughs) when we started. So that's, pretty great. You know, he's very happy because he hasn't had to make any additional investments in his inside sales staff. 
Yeah. Um, but yet their, you know, revenue is up considerably. That is um, so, so cool. Yeah. Congratulations. So that's that's exactly the kind of you know success story that we <laughs> that we like, right? Yeah. So yeah. Are you are you guys working with the salespeople like mm-hmm. directly? How does that yeah. process work? Yeah. So. We don't always start there. Again, a lot of this depends on the client and where their biggest pain is, right? Um, for for this particular client, we did start working with the sales team pretty early on. And um, when we're doing right now, like when we started with them, we didn't have our process as well defined. With our newer clients, we involve the sales team in the strategy process. So we always start by doing, you know, ideal customer profile um, buyer personas, competitor analysis. We agree on what their unique, you know, differentiators are, all of those things. And we involve the sales team in that process to make sure that we're all on the same page. Otherwise, you know, marketing can be off doing crazy stuff and the sales team's like, why are you sending me these leads? You know? Um, so with them, we didn't quite follow that process because of, you know, how we were getting started with inbound at the time. Um, but over time we've involved the sales team more and more. We now our marketing person actually meets our, our strategist meets with their director of sales on a weekly basis. Um, they look at the data together. They look for trends together. They build an issues list together. We do all the rock selection together. And so everything is like a sales and marketing goal, not just the marketing goal. Awesome. Um, and so that has made a huge difference just because, again, I think the sales team really knows that they're being supported and they're not just being given, you know, please increase, you know, the, the number of closed opportunities by 50% and we're not going <laughs> to send you any new leads. You know, we're sitting there going, okay, what are we going to do together to make sure that you have enough leads to follow up on so you can hit that revenue goal, you yeah. know? So you're, um, you're yeah, coming so as that, that partner. Pardon me, what was that? You're coming in as that partner to yes, them. right. I love it. Right, right. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, are they, do then the salespeople, are you through that collaboration? How does that impact like the ongoing, the future marketing strategies? Do you get topic ideas from them, insight from them? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, because we'll sit in on the sales meetings um, about, I think about once a month she goes in and actually sits in a sales meeting. Um, she'll hear, you know, oh, this big deal fell through. And she'll say, well, why? What could we have done differently? What if we had had this presentation? What if we had given them this brochure? What if there was an infographic? You know, whatever, right? Um, And so by hearing kind of the stuff that they're regularly running into, we can then go and develop content to help them with those things. Either it's, you know, they're tired of explaining the same thing over and over again to prospects. So we develop a, you know, checklist (laughs) or... Once we get through the qualification process and it goes up the decision ladder, we hit this obstacle. And so then we'll develop some kind of piece of collateral for them for that. So they definitely, that dialogue helps with blog post topics, content offer topics, workflows, you know, all of those things. Um, that way we're not just saying like, let's try this because we feel like it, you know, yeah. it's for a good <laughs> good reason. Okay. So it's like structured experiments, you know, it's, you know, here's an issue what could we try to solve it? How are we going to measure if it's working? When do we stop trying? You know? So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, would you be able to, are there any experiences you guys have gone through a struggle or kind of a, just a rough point, whether it's servicing clients or internally that you guys have overcome or that you've been able to take a lesson away from something in the past couple of months? Sure. Um, I think one of the hardest things has been, 
keeping the culture where we want it to be while also growing, right? So finding that right balance of kind of pushing people to exceed expectations and kind of get to that next level while also giving them the room to be creative and thoughtful (laughs) about what we're doing on a client service delivery side of things. And so, you know, finding that right balance of like workload um, Mm -hmm. has been definitely a challenge. And then um, also just really making sure that we're bringing people in kind of ahead of where we need them. That's always tough to do, you know, where you don't have the sale yet, you know, it's coming, you'd like to get somebody in there and get them trained up, but you don't have the revenue coming in yet, you know? Um, And so, you know, getting better about predicting when we need people and hiring more ahead of the curve and, you know, having those training and onboarding processes in place so we can get people up to speed more quickly um, so that they can come on, you know, and start driving 50 miles an hour instead (laughs) of kind of coming on in the slow lane, you know? Um, What's nice is now we're attracting more people. There's more people out there who have inbound experience than there were when we were all inventing this. Right. And so at the beginning it was a lot harder. You had to just kind of hire good people and give them the experience And now there's a lot more people out there in the marketplace who have inbound experience. And so it's finding the right cultural fit for your team. And you don't have to do quite as much skills training as we used to have to do. So, you know, that's kind of a nice new problem to have. Um, But now, of course, it's competing for all of those people who are quite popular out there in the market. (laughs) You know, so um, that's where we've really having this process I described in place is a nice differentiator, too, when we're talking to prospective employees not just prospective customers right because we can say we have our shit together sorry can i swear we have our (laughs) act together sorry we have our act together look we have a vision we have a business plan we have goals we have core values we have process we have an accountability chart you're not going to walk into this chaotic work environment we Mm -hmm. have our act together you know and that's actually something that's you know appealing to certain types of people and those are the types of people we want working for us are people who are attracted to process and structure right if they don't like that then they're not going to work well with us anyways you know yeah. um so really being able to articulate that has been great for our recruiting efforts very so. cool now you guys are you primarily in person or do you have a team spread across the country yeah, we're primarily in person. We have one person who works remotely uh, in Philadelphia. She just moved there. Um, she's been with me for 11 years. So um, her daughter got into college and she wanted to relocate <laughs> closer okay. to her. So we said, like, we're obviously not going to lose a good person over location. Um, but everybody else is in Ann Arbor, but they're allowed to work, you know, if you want to work from home or your kid's sick or whatever. We have a pretty flexible work environment that way. Um you know, we're open to people working remotely. It's just so far the people that have applied and have been great for us have happened to be local. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, now you, you talked a lot about process and how that's kind of, you use that to sell to clients and also to attract new talent. Are there any, or what are your favorite tools when it comes to running the agency? How are you kind of documenting and delivering on that process through, through tools and platforms? So we use teamwork as our project management system. Okay. And um, what we like about that is that we can put these kind of recurring tasks into templates 
And so we can systematize our process by saying, you know, here's the process for a new content offer. And it's these, you know, 85 steps or whatever. Yep. Um, so Megan, who's our director of client services, she's also like our queen of process and tools. And so it's her job to make sure that, you know, anything that we need to do to have repeatable and high quality gets put into some kind of process in teamwork. Um, and then we also use Google Docs to document certain things that aren't, you know, necessarily appropriate for teamwork. And okay. those two things integrate together quite nicely. Um, so that's been a great tool for us. Um, we also use a tool called Less Meeting, which allows us to create these templated meeting agendas like I was discussing before. <laughs> and so, you know, every week we can just follow that same meeting agenda. It helps us take notes, keep track of action items. It tracks, you know, oh, you got five minutes left in this section. You should be moving on to the next section. Um, so it really helps us manage those recurring meetings okay. um, quite nicely. And that saves a lot of time with, you know, follow-up and auto-nagging uh, the people who are in the meeting about what they committed to, you know. Awesome. Um, so those are kind of our two, I mean, Google Docs, Google Calendar, all the, the whole Google suite we use, obviously, for a lot of um, collaboration on, you know, when we're developing a blog post or developing a content offer or whatever, you know, we're able to, to use those, then the teamwork for all the process. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of tons of other electronic tools <laughs> for various, you know, we're kind of tool happy. Yeah. Um, you know, if it can be automated, we try to to automate it. But Good job. Yeah. Do you do you guys bring your clients into teamwork? Some of them, yes. Not all. Um, some of them already have a system in place, in which case we don't like make them use it. We always keep all of our stuff in teamwork, but sometimes we'll you know put a few of their tasks over in you know Basecamp or whatever it is if they have things that they if they're already you know using another system. Okay. Um, but for clients who don't already have a system, we do typically give them access and, you know, with certain rights or whatever. And then um, we can manage the action items in there so that our project managers don't have to spend a lot of time, like reminding them what they were supposed to be doing, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's automated. Um, so cool. That's helpful. Thanks for kind of giving us a view into the, uh, the, the way the engine's working behind the curtain there. It's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, shifting gears to you personally. Um, we just like to ask folks, uh, you know, what does a typical morning look like? So for you, how are you making sure that you're prepared each day to come in and lead the team and continue to grow the agency at the kind of the trajectory that you guys have been maintaining so far? So uh, I'm an early bird and I have two kids who get up quite early as well. So I get up super early. Um, I typically get up around five, um, sometimes earlier if my kid is kicking me in bed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's my quiet time and I don't get a lot of quiet time the rest of the day. So, you know, I kind of get up, get my coffee, get my money slippers on, come down to my office, turn on my NPR, you know, classical music station or whatever. Um, and mostly what I do in the beginning of the day is just kind of get ready for the day. So, you know, I look through my email, see if anything needs to be, you know, triaged or responded to. Um, I look at my calendar, I make sure that, I know what the meeting agendas are for the day, that I've got everything prepared, that I'm ready for them. Then I kind of go through my, you know, LinkedIn. Is there anybody to respond to my social media? You know, any blog posts that I, ha you know, haven't had time to catch up on. Yeah. Um, and then usually I have like one or two things that I really just need to knock out, you know, to feel like I accomplished something. And so, you know, 
I got to document a process or I need to draft a blog post or, you know, I need to, you know, review a, a report out deck or something like that. So I try to pick one or two things like that where I can just, you know, check them off and feel like I was productive because usually once I hit the office, it's like meeting, 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 you know? Okay. Um, and so, you know, it's really just kind of mentally preparing myself to run that marathon. Yeah. Um, you know, then I have get my kids on the bus, take a shower. You know, <laughs> so I feel like I have two days. Sometimes I have my, you know, work day, which I get an incredible amount of time of stuff done in that like hour and a half before my kids get up. And then, you know, I have the get ready for my day and go into the office. And then I just have to be whoever they need me to be yeah. um, in the office. And I just, I have to be in the mindset of reacting there and not get annoyed that I'm not checking stuff off my list, okay. you know? Yeah. Which is kind of against my personality type. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I try to be home actually by three o'clock now so that I can get my kids off the bus. And in the afternoon, that's when I'll, you know, review, QA a blog post or, you know, do little stuff like that, that if I'm interrupted, it's not a big deal. Okay. You know? So yeah, it's, it's a balancing act. That's for sure. That's a nice balance. So that's really yeah. cool. Um, now you talked about kind of, handing off responsibility and delegating. Are you, are you current, are you active inside of client accounts now, or have you kind of passed it off to your team entirely at this point? I've passed off almost all of it. There are a couple of clients where, um, they have been with me for a long time and I have a very strategic role that I play, but I'm no longer account managing. Okay. So it's more, um, high level and, you know, it's, I participate in like this meeting or <laughs> this thing over here. Um, but the, the blog posts and stuff that I'm talking about is I play client on our whole brain group marketing. And so I'm the client. My team is the, you know, inbound marketing team for okay. me. Right. And so there's a lot of kind of internal marketing stuff where I'm approving things or I'm writing a blog post for whole brain group, that kind of thing, not client work so much. Okay. Um, so we have two, we have a couple strategic client accounts that I'm on because it makes sense from a big picture point of view for me to still participate in those. Um, but on a daily basis, most of, I mean, all the main billable work is being done by my team now, which is great. So awesome. yeah. And all the new clients are all, I have nothing to do with it. So congratulations. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. I mean, I don't want to be completely disconnected because the way, I like having my fingers in it a little bit because it helps me figure out where do we need to go next. Mm -hmm. Right. And so those clients that we have these deep relationships with, they're like my canary in a coal mine, right? <laughs> like I hear them starting to talk about something and I go, Hmm, maybe we should offer that as a service in 2016, you know? Yeah. Um, so if I were totally out of that, I would miss out on that, but it's just, you know, it's the balance of not getting sucked into, you know, setting up a landing page or an email workflow or, <laughs> or something like that, that, um, satisfies me short term, but ends up being a problem long term. So yeah, Marissa, this has been awesome. Thank you so much Thank for just opening up, sharing so much with all of us. Uh, if anyone's listening, if they want to reach out and connect with you, are there any ways that they can go about doing that? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So that's an easy one, Marissa Smith and at the whole brain group. Um, my email address is msmith at the whole brain group.com. That's whole W H O L E. Um, those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. So awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much for coming on and sharing. Thanks for having me. 
This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show. All right. Well, welcome back. This is Graham McKenzie jumping on with Andrew, and we are going to recap his conversation with Marissa. Andrew, kick us off here. What were, uh, what were the big things that stuck out from the interview? Uh, first of all, I had a great time chatting with Marissa. She is awesome. I got a chance to be at her her talk at Inbound, where she talked all about kind of getting your your stuff together as an inbound agency, like building a business around this thing. And when I just talking to her, I, I heard a lot of our story in her story, to be honest. There's this, I think we as entrepreneurs, we have this desire to own our own business. We have our desire to push out and do our own thing and carve out our own section of the market. But then inevitably, once we get there and we find elements of success, we kind of hit that glass ceiling. And we learn that if we want to grow a business beyond just ourselves, or if we want to grow a business and maintain any level of sanity or freedom at all, we've got to find a way to delegate. And what Marissa shared when she tapped into the EOS and a little bit of what that framework, the traction teaches, is that if you want to delegate well, you have to have a system in place so that your team understands all of their roles and responsibilities. Uh, there has to be a documentation there. There has to be ownership there. And what I liked about Marissa, she was just honest about that process. And she was honest about how there was a transition point there and how there was pain involved in that delegation. But I don't know about you, but I could really hear in her voice a freedom now that now that she's gone through that process, she's she's living more of the lifestyle as a bigger agency um, that she wanted than she was when she was trying to do everything herself. Right. They were on the framework side of things. I think that that's a point you started to hit on it. But regardless of which personality type you have, whether you're more of the everything, very structured, perfectionist, I'm in control uh, type of personality, or you're on the opposite side, very uh, loose, free-flowing, creative side of things, if we're being real stereotypical with uh, or, and trying to break things down into two kind of basic personality types. Yeah. Either way, you need a framework because if you're on the too creative, not enough structure side of things, you need a framework to give the people who you're going to try and delegate stuff to uh, the structure to be successful and the, the boundaries that let them know what they're operating within. And then on the flip side, you need a structure where you're, you you feel like there's enough there to be able to bring other people on. So I thought, um, regardless of your personality type, to go beyond just kind of the one person yeah. quote agency, you, that's that's really important either way. And you heard it in her story too. Like they were kind of afraid that if we put these processes in place, we're kind of creating that same bureaucracy that we were trying to break away from by starting our own business. And that's you know bu- bureaucracy is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about structure that puts a focus like we can set big goals um you know she called them big rocks for your quarter set those goals out there so that as a unit as a team you can drive down the field together towards whatever un- whatever end zone that you define as your goal but if you're kind of shooting from the hip all the time and being reactive and just going with tactical ideas it's really hard to put those long range goals in place that are necessary to get you to be, to get you to go where you want to go. 
whether it's you follow the EOS system or the 12-week year is another resource that I've read that I really, really enjoy, like breaking down big visions into smaller, more achievable goals. Whatever framework you follow, just stick with it and get your team excited about it because together, when we work shoulder to shoulder towards a common goal, I think we're going to get greater buy-in from our team members. They're going to have a greater level of trust and confidence in us as leaders because they know that A, they're empowered within their area to move forward, and B, they're confident that we're all moving forward in the same direction. So I really liked what she said. You got to kind of fight that fear of bureaucracy and embrace this as really the kind of the ticket to that level of freedom that you really desire in this type of a business. Yeah. So I want to, from the framework, she talked about processes and how having everything documented, obviously that contributes on the operation side of things, but she also hit on how they use that as a strength during the sales process. Yeah. And one of the things that's hard to dig into is I, I, I think that it's pretty normal for an agency to say our processes or our people or our portfolio, that's what makes us different as an agency. But that can be very vague and nebulous and not mean anything to a client. So I'm curious, um, Andrew, it would be interesting to know what does that look like visually as you're going through it? How do you prove that you can say that you have everything documented and laid out? But uh, do you have a platform or, or how do you share that? So that'd be something I'd be curious in finding out about. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on maybe some good ways that agencies can, if you're going to say that processes are one of your strengths and what sets you apart, how do you prove that to the client? Because they're not going to have any idea, any way to gauge whether you're more or less processed yeah. <laughs> uh, or systematized than any other agency until they get in and they're three months into working with each of you. Or, I mean, it's not going to take three months to know that you're completely disorganized or completely organized. But, uh, but that a lot of that stuff you, you don't you don't really know until you get into working with somebody unless um unless you found a way to implement that yeah i think that these these scoping or these discovery projects that we talk about here you know we call it an inbound game plan whatever your foot in the door process is i think that's the great place to showcase this and you can leverage it in the sales process as well and just say like one of the points that differentiates us is our process and is the strength of our organizational skills. But until the, the, until the client can see it in action and can see the fruit of that, of why it's so helpful, specifically for the client, because they're bringing on an inbound agency because they can't handle all of this stuff themselves and because they don't know how to do it themselves. So part of our expertise as agencies come to the table is not only do we understand these tactics – but we understand the operational processes that break these tactics down into logical progressions. And so at Do Inbound, we call that the client journey. And it's part of the Do Inbound agency framework where the whole goal is to take this big idea of inbound marketing and break it down into smaller, more digestible chunks. So the first step in that is going to be that discovery process. And here you're working with the client. Like for us, it's through the game plan process. It might be kicking off with an inbound workshop. If you listen to Marcus and George at the sales line, you're really fired up about the workshop idea. That's a great way to get buy-in and bring people in and kind of see what is the logical thought process that this agency is following to help us reach our goals with inbound marketing. It might be a more in-depth scoping project where you're creating wireframes, you're creating a, you know, a user path through the website, whatever it is, have a customer journey outlined and mapped out so that when you start working with a new client, you kick them off on that journey. We talk about onboarding a lot and how the successful inbound marketing agencies are always striving to tighten up their onboarding process. 
And I think of uh, Matt Sunshine, who was talking about his buyer persona process. And that's one of the first things they do in onboarding. He's working really, really hard to get that down to 30 days, 30 days to have that figured out. Eric Pratt said the same thing. A lot of these leading agencies are trying to stretch their processes so that they can get the right building blocks in place fast. And I think that that process, that map of here are the things that we need to do right away so that at the month six mark and the month nine mark, the 12 month mark, We've positioned this client to really be in a point where they're seeing results so that when we're graded as agencies, we're graded in a positive light because we've done the right things up front. It's almost like thinking of your your agency as a, a NASCAR pit crew. When that car comes off the track and comes down pit road, that's the new client coming in. When they stop, you need to hit the car, hit the client just like that pit crew does. Everyone has a job. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing. They're efficient, and their goal is to get that car back on the track as soon as possible. That's our job as agencies, Gray, is just to get that client up and running as quickly as possible. Mike Lieberman talked about this too. You know, They try to get a conversion-based website up and going within 30 days. Like They want to be showing a client leads really, really fast. So whatever your strategy is, whatever your tactic is as an agency, document that journey out. Build a hypothetical path so that when a new client, a real client comes in and they sign the contract, you don't start sweating. You've got that cool, calm composure because you know that you've got a documented map in place to guide them along this inbound client journey. Yeah, I think that's all exactly right. Just what what is that experience going to look like? And to go even back a step further, this starts. this all starts in your marketing. How are you leading people through a systematic process built around their needs that's going to set them up for success? And then um, what Ryan Herman and I talk about on inbound sales journey in that podcast is we just over and over, I feel like we come back to this is why it's so important to have a defined sales process and a smart sales process that you're leading people through. Because if you go through a sales process where the customer has to dictate what steps are going to happen next and there's no clear leading from the agency, yeah. and then you then you try and tell somebody that what sets us apart is how systematized and processed our business is. There's a definitely a mismatch there that doesn't make sense, and that's just going to be confusing to people. So I think it is really important through the sales process, through the marketing that you're doing to set the stage early that you are going to be that organized agency that's going to get things done right the first time. Yeah, I totally agree, Gray. And Ben and I talk about that a lot on Happy Client Show too is once you've got the client, maintaining a healthy client relationship, healthy back and forth, open honesty and trust having a framework to work off of a mutually agreed upon strategy to lean back on is key in that process too. So there was just a ton of value that Marissa shared in this episode. And I encourage you guys to check out EOS. Uh, I have not read it. My, I have not read traction myself yet, but it's definitely a resource that having heard from more and more inbound agencies, I think it's something that I want to tap into and just see how does this operating system work? Cause people are leveraging it really, really well. So Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation today with Marissa. And if you did, I'd ask you to just reach out to her on Twitter or shoot her an email and say thank you for her time here on Inbound Agency Journey. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.